This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I am Eric Branson, and with me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Joe Peterson. How's it going tonight, Joe? Pretty good, yourself? Oh, not too bad. I did leave out that this is episode number 153 of the Video Junkyard Podcast, and man, can you believe we've done that many shows? No, <laughs> like every... I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm one episode more surprised than I was last week. Yeah, yeah. me too. But uh, and it's it's uh, today we're actually recording on Memorial Day. It is so, yes. Even so it's come out a week late. So happy Memorial! I hope everybody had a uh, well celebrated Memorial Day. I don't know. Can you call it happy? Yeah, I mean, no. I think it's supposed to be more of a somber event, right? Yeah, like it's, right. Uh, in memorial of those who lost their lives. So like, yeah. I I feel like it, like. Happy and awesome probably aren't like the best words to describe, but I don't know. I mean, it's become like in our like right national, you know, way we celebrate the holiday has been you know family cookouts and you know taking the boat out, kind of being with family, having fun outdoors is essentially what it's become. So I'm cool with that. Like I yeah. know Christmas has a lot of like loaded religious stuff to it, but we don't do a lot of that. But we do a lot of the other fun traditions, you know, pagany stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, those are always yeah. more fun anyway. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm cool with hol- holidays transitioning, but I try not to lose, in this case, try to totally lose sight of it or be disrespectful in any way. But yeah, I'm more into the barbecue and the, you know, stuff like that. Did you, did you, did you grill out tonight? We did yesterday. Uh, my parents were over and we did brats and burgers on the grill and ate outside and yeah, did the whole kind of cookout thing. So nice. It was nice. fun. They, uh, they hadn't been over since we kind of. I wouldn't say we opened up our house, but we, we've been a, a little bit more open to letting people come in, especially people that are vaccinated. So we're so they got to come in and like see the, you know, all the new everything put back together since uh, we got our uh, I don't know if I ever talked about it on the air, but our, anyway, we had some water damage in our house and we finally after three months of back and forth and all kinds of, you know, junk, we got it figured out and got everything fixed and we have a whole house again which is nice nice so, nice don't i don't have a four-year-old roommate like i've had for the past four months so. oh god so, yeah. <laughs> that definitely yeah. changes things so well cool yeah, yeah we we just kind of spent the weekend outside the, the new big thing for us is we uh got a puppy this weekend oh right and it's been yeah just dealing with puppy stuff well, that is like, yeah, that's a that'll take up all your time for a few weeks right off the bat, just getting her uh, it, yeah, you know, settled I, and trained and all that good stuff. And she's real little, like she's only eight weeks old, so we're kind of yeah. at that baby, really like a baby stage where it's like, oh, it's four in the morning, somebody's got to go let the dog out. It's mm-hmm. almost like a midnight bottle feeding, 
And yeah, so that kind of stuff is... Um, I know people that haven't had dogs that do have kids probably, you know, kind of roll their eyes when you say stuff like that, but it's not it's not entirely untrue. Like, there's some similarities there. Yeah, it's not um, exactly the same, but it, it brings back some memories of like, oh yeah, just feels yeah. like just a few years ago we were doing this shit, but, you know, it, it it's it's fine though, it's fun. She's been a delight been nice yeah so, well just yeah. for you i accidentally named my recording file today uh because of the movie we're going to watch is, is you know puppet master today uh i accidentally named it the pupper master it was a typo but i'm gonna keep it and i'm gonna dedicate it to you so you can be the pup the pupper, pupper. master tonight <laughs> this guy a fucking puppers oh god yeah oh, that's awesome and yes speaking of bringing back memories we're watching puppet master right <laughs> In a house of mysteries. This hotel seems to have quite a history, Mr. Gallagher. Who are you people? A research team with special powers. <gasps> My God. She's experiencing the past. Because we are all joined by our thoughts. <gasps> has uncovered an ancient secret. I have something I want to show you. <laughs> Metaphysically speaking, I killed myself. <gasps> But they are playing with an evil force. What would you do with the power? You can't save her, Alex. They have given life to a deadly power. We're all in danger. And now a box of little toys. I think someone's in the room, Frank. Has become a gang of little terrors. Pinhead, Blade, Ms. Leech, Jester, and Tunneler. Irene Miracle, Paul Lamatt, Barbara Crampton, and William Hickey as the Puppet Master. Yeah, so Puppet Master, 1989 film, um, directed by David Schmoller, I believe is how you say the name. Um, produced, of course, by Charles Band, and was the flagship movie that he launched the Full Moon Entertainment label with. And this is after. Um, Charles Band had dissolved the company that he was running out of uh, Italy, I believe, called Empire Pictures, which we have uh, reviewed a few of the Empire Pictures classics here on the uh, Video Junkyard podcast. Um, to name a couple, I know is Robot Jocks and uh, Arena were two that we we checked out. So, um, but yeah, nice. so Puppet Master, we can get a little bit more into the history of that in a second. Uh, let me get you a quick synopsis. This is from the back of the new special edition Blu-ray um, of Puppet Master, which I happen to own. <laughs> Alex Whitaker and his three other gifted psychics are investigating rumors that the secret of life has been discovered by master puppeteer Andre Toulon. But the psychics quickly discover Toulon's secret of death in the form of five killer puppets, each one uniquely qualified for murder and mayhem. Tunneler has a nasty habit of boring holes in people with his drill bit head. Ms. Leech regurgitates killer leech on 
killer leeches that suck her victims dry. Pinhead strangles his enemies with his powerful vice-like hands. Blade has a gleaming hook for one hand and razor-sharp knife for the other. And Jester, the ruthless brains of the bunch, is absolutely merciless. Together, they're an army of skilled assassins diabolically programmed to guard the deadly secrets of the Puppet Master. So, yeah, that uh give yeah, you a little I, bit of a picture I, of what it's I'm all about. I'm surprised that they went into the, the descriptions of what each puppet does, and I would... Oh, I'm going to throw this out and go into the detail later that um, Jester doesn't do shit, but... Okay. Yeah, I know. That's why, like, I, <laughs> I was going <laughs> like, to bring that up at, later, too. But the what? fact that like, said, Jester, the ruthless brains of the bunch. Like, what? Really? Like, ru- ruthless? Like, it, does... it, and he's absolutely merciless. Yeah, because he doesn't do anything, he, really. Yeah, mercilessly <laughs> sits there and spins his face. Yeah, makes oh, faces God. at things, does, like, the shocked face reaction and the yeah, yeah. the sad the worried yeah, yeah it's it's a very strange yeah <laughs> so yeah. what what's um, your what's your history with puppet master um you know like many people i think our age my history of puppet master stems from the video store you know growing up um seeing posters i think more than anything and these posters these full moon posters always ended up in um in our small town video store and i know joe will know what i'm talking about Mm -hmm. but um they didn't really hang them up in the store they always ended up in the free posters bin that uh you know was sitting by the counter that you know we would always go in and grab all the cool like horror movie posters out of it i know you kind of decorated your downstairs kind of hangout room in your basement posters from the video oh, store yeah. yeah and i like i floor I to ceiling well. everything like, posters <laughs> yeah i remember one uh or a couple of full moon ones that i had for sure and of movies i still to this day haven't seen but i think my first glimpse of what puppet master was was either a puppet master three or puppet master four um if i could remember what those i'm pretty sure it was three with the cowboy thing on the front of it yeah um that poster sitting in that free bin for like a long time i'd always unwrap it and be like "Ooh, i should take that one and then like i don't know either my parents be like no you can't have it or whatever for some reason i never did but that that's where i first heard of it where i first saw these movies i'm not sure i think we caught a couple like late night kind of horror movies on you know in between you know softcore porn movies on cinemax or whatever they always have like the horror movies and then the kind of like itself right like (laughs) um but yeah, I think probably like late night horror movies on cable kind of thing um, is probably where I saw them. And I, to this day, and we were just discussing this uh, before we started recording, but to this day, I'm still not sure which of these I've seen and which I haven't. It was, it you know, they kind of all, like what I have seen kind of all blends together. And I always swore I'd seen the first one and, and I'm pretty sure I had. Like there was enough familiar moments here that, um, but it wasn't like... I know when you go back to something that you've seen like many times growing up, like I certainly probably, like I probably only saw this thing one time. It was vaguely familiar. Um, but yeah, so I'm not even sure to this day which ones I've seen and which one I which ones I haven't. So how about you? It was the first time. I, I, I yeah. think I first heard of this over when I was like at a cousin's house and they had HBO or something, which sometimes would air like what's coming on Cinemax. Um, and seeing like a preview or clips of this like real quick snippets on an advertisement for this and it freaked me out as a kid because it's like hey moving toys moving puppets you know that's that's nightmare fuel for me as a child Mm -hmm. um and then i finally was able to see it 
on some at somebody's house or you know or rented it or something and I I don't I didn't remember anything about the story like when I rewatched it for tonight um, for the show. Yeah, I mean I watched I, it three I, or four days ago and I'm still in the same boat. But well, it. yeah, I <laughs> I wasn't like I didn't really remember a story or anything. But there were visuals I remember, and of course it's anything mm-hmm. with the puppets. Which yeah. let's be yeah. honest, the reason that this thing spawned so many sequels has nothing to do with a rich mythos, right? It's it's the design of these different characters, these yeah, different. Puppets. It's the puppets. Like, yeah. Yeah. Even if they don't do much, like, they look cool or they look creepy or they, you know, visuals are a big thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. But this one does utilize some, some stop motion um, mm-hmm. and and some, you know, like, maquettes and, and some pup, some actual puppets and stuff like that. And, um, I have yeah, to ask, yeah. like, do, do you have a favorite puppet from this one? You know, it's... I'm going to go with the cliche, and I, I think Blade's my favorite, and I think Blade's everyone's favorite. That's why Blade got his own movies, and Blade's, like, the, you know, when you think of Puppet Master, like, he's the face that kind of comes to, but he's just such a great design, it's such a creepy-looking doll, um, yeah. and then with, you know, the knives and everything, it just kind of adds to, I think without Blade, this does not become, like, the memorable kind of, you know, sequel-spawning machine that it was, <laughs> But but they're all I mean they're cool I think um, Ms. Leech is disgusting and uh, certainly creepy um, I I like Pinhead I like Drillbit like I don't know they're all great and I like how they're distinct and they each have like their thing about them and yeah Puppet Master is an apt name for this thing because like you said I think the puppets are certainly the main attraction here. <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, um, it's there there's some stuff though that just doesn't make a lot of sense in this film and i'm i'm yeah. sure you have a long list too uh, even yes. at the very beginning well at the very yeah the very beginning when you've got it's like a what flashback to 1939 and you meet andre toulon played by the wonderful william hickey yes um in a very brief scene um and it, there's a part of that opening sequence when like blade is running to get back to Toulon, and it's all this like low camera stuff from his perspective, and you hear this panting because mm-hmm. he's out of breath, and he's running through a really busy hotel, <laughs> and it's yeah. not like you know, it's not like he's an inch tall; he's a good foot and a half, right? And nobody notices. Sh- one lady notices. <laughs> yeah, I wrote a note about that. Like, wow, you know, you would definitely notice, a, you know, a foot tall puppet running through here, but. I think suspension of disbelief. It's there's some really cool POV shots, like, um, yeah, and it works. I think to, well, I mean, and also to not have to have the the puppets running all the time. Um, but yes, it is. It takes some massive suspension of disbelief to believe no one notices these puppets running through their feet and stuff. So, yeah, because they're 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 all over. And but it's, I don't. So I I I thought the um. What do you think of the story of this one? Well, what you could figure out of it. Yeah, the story's pretty light and I and we'll get to, I'll get to it a little like it that's okay. Like for for this kind of a movie, I'm going to eventually let it off the hook. But let since we're talking about the story, it's pretty I don't know how much I get out of it. Like there's four 
or five. I guess there's five of them if you count uh, what's his name Gallagher, yeah. Neil Gallagher, not Noel Gallagher, Neil Gallagher. Um, he four or five psychics that were connected through. I don't know, their old psychics club or something. It doesn't really ever get into specifics, but they were all, you know, trying to find the uh, meaning of or the uh, secret of life and death or something, which is that what psychics do? Like, I don't even know where how those two I, things I, I, like I get. In my notes, I have them down as the uh, Psychic Friends Network. Okay. Yeah. yeah because that makes sense. of the 90s Call Me Now Miss Cleo thing. <laughs> yeah. It was the Psychic she, Friends Network. I should have just had her in there. I mean, she was. should have. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's, you know, different kinds of sensitives or psychics, you know, one's kind of your, your typical charlatan, you know, carnival madam who, you know, with a crystal ball and all that stuff, she's doing that whole shtick. Um, I don't really know what, I know that, um, the couple, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of all the names of the characters and they just leave such an unimpression that they don't, I don't really have their, uh names handy but um they're scientists frank and carissa is the couple yeah yeah and so she's like an empath so she can like you know sense uh, feel the emotions even stuff of like past events and such um i don't know exactly what he is even in his character description it says he's a psychic researcher so i don't know if he just kind of like hangs out he's like a fanboy (laughs) and you know like her husband or whatever but um and then yeah so the and the other main character is Alex Whitaker, who is a professor of anthropology, but he has prophetic dreams and dreams of, you know, the future and such. We get like a crash course introduction to these characters, and then all of a sudden they're like all thrown together in this old, like dilapidated hotel that was supposedly, that was owned by the widow of their former acquaintance, Neil Gallagher, who is also a psychic. Um, does that, it sounds convoluted, but you'll be surprised when you watch the movie because they spend almost no time on it. So you don't have to worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really odd choice for what could have been a, you know, Gallagher died and he requested you all here for the wake or something Yeah. in just, you know, because you're, you were all, I don't know, in, you make it like the big chill. You were all in college together. I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. Right, but by it's, making it's getting all the victim or the potential victims to the place where they need yeah, to be, right? it's 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 a it's a MacGuffin, right? There's anything you can use to drive that plot, but yeah, it's choice... all superfluous to like what actually happens in the movie. What you're trying to do is get people there so that we can see killer puppets, and it didn't need all the extra. Yeah, it, I, mean, it I give an... him, I give him points for creativity. But... Yeah, it was just a really odd thing because the psychic thing plays no bearing whatsoever in the in the events that happen. These, these could yeah. have all been people that were like, you know, into square dancing or some shit like that. And this is just, <laughs> right. you know, where they decided to have their thing. You could still they have, could the have whole just all been plot. friends and their weird friend Neil was kind of into the, you know, occult. Like these people didn't have to be psychics at all. <laughs> like, yeah, it didn't end yeah. up making a difference. I guess it does a little bit with like Alex's dreams at the end. But again, it's I'm not even sure that's necessary to the plot. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, it's a movie about animated killer puppets. I think you can have people have some fucked up dreams before they show up and not have to overly explain it. Right. I agree. Because that's a standard thing in movies, right? So, yeah, that's something I didn't notice when I was a kid. Now I see why, because it's really kind of a pointless thing. Yeah. But they're psychics. 
Yeah, they, they show up and discover that, you know, Gallagher has spent the last few years ripping up this old hotel looking for the work and the secrets of, uh, you know, this French mystic named Andre Toulon, who had apparently discovered the ancient Egyptian magical, you know, cure for death, I guess, a way to become... <laughs> reanimate corpses become immortal i don't know exactly where they're going with it but um yeah ripping up this old he's he's married the the girl who is the heir of the hotel somehow has murdered the parents and is trying to find toulon's stuff which he's hidden somewhere in the hotel well we know where he's hidden it he's hidden it in um in in the walls and so eventually Gallagher does find this stuff, which we don't even see, and even in flashback, like, the plot is so, like, so, I don't know. They know, it's like they know from the get-go, like, this this movie's about the puppets, let's, you know, we're gonna do what we can with this plot, but, like, doesn't it seem like in any other movie you would have seen some of this stuff happen? Like, yeah. You know, him discovering these dolls, and him, uh... Well, even their, yeah. the, the his so-called friends' motivations are really half baked and half delivered it's mm. you know like they're angry at him for some reason which is why he called them there psychically yeah. and okay so they they all get like a psychic message from him to come to this hotel psychic telegram yeah, yeah. and so they all show up and they meet his wife and they're like oh we didn't even know he was married and then they find out, oh, and he committed suicide, and he left a note to his wife saying that you all will be showing up. Don't <laughs> bury me until they get here. And that's a ruse to get them there so the puppets can crawl out of the casket, for some reason, mm. and kill them all. And you find out that they're also mad at him. The, not the puppets, the people. Um, <laughs> that comes later. Uh for reasons like I, it wasn't really clear yeah i'm not even sure they try to they... explain something like he they were all working on discovering this together and then he kind of ditched him he went rogue or something yeah. yeah it's something stupid like and so you know we're gonna you know it's time to time for him to pay pay up pay the price it's like mm -hmm. for, for, for what i don't really understand or he owed them something almost like i yeah I don't know. I didn't really... Uh, yeah. The cool thing about it is I think you, you don't care for long, so it's the, it doesn't really ruin the movie. But yeah, if you really try to figure this out from a plot perspective, um, it's weak and it's underdeveloped. But again, I think that's from a production standpoint, they know what they're selling. You know, the product they're selling here is killer puppets and getting to that is important. And I think they do. They make the right choice there. Had they taken a deep dive into the plot of this movie and left the puppets for the last 10 minutes, it would have not been as, you know, it's, it's I was going to say as good of a movie. I'm not sure it's a perfect movie in any way, but it would have been less of a good movie than it is. Right. Now, so, right. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I was also a little surprised how the uh, effects, how do you think the effects stood up? I guess it's more I should ask the question. I think the effects stood up. I was expecting them to be a lot worse, honestly. Um, I think they stand up pretty well. And 
I feel like I remember some of the like later films like them being a little worse. Like maybe this is better. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look and maybe maybe I'm just selling those short as well. But the effects were done by David Allen, who is a, you know, well-known effects artist and would go on to do work in uh Oh, he did. I'm looking at sorry, looking at it right now. Um yeah, anyway, I can't find it at the moment. But yeah, so a, a known effects artist that had, you know, has big credits to his name. And I think, especially from a design aspect, I think these puppets and the special effects in this movie work really well. I also think it helps that this movie is very well produced. Um, it has, um, like, top-notch cinematography. It it's atmosphere and like everything it lacks in like acting and plot it makes up for in like great location like good atmosphere um it was shot by uh, sergio salvetti who shot a lot of fulci's movies i don't know if you mm-hmm. noticed some of the the similarities there um but i think he's a really really great cinematographer and i think a lot of his like poe shots are really great and um just kind of the I don't know. I don't know if you would say it's a European kind of feel to the whole thing, but it kind of has that Argento Fulci kind of feel to it. Um, yeah. Now that you mention it, I could I could see some of that um, with with the the angles and just how it's shot and how it's lit and and, and mm-hmm. so on. You you can oh, really it's very tell... moody, kind of you know old haunted house murder mystery kind of look and feel to the whole thing. So yeah, and, and you can really tell too that band was happy enough with how this was received because pretty much for a good 10 15 years after this movie this is kind of how every full moon movie feels Mm -hmm. it's all kind of shot from a very formulaic way but this is the first yeah Um, but they all have that kind of like i don't know if it's old-fashioned but kind of a old school horror vibe to them like you know, a, a movie you would you would see, you could, you know, not have to use your imagination a whole lot to see, like, Vincent Price popping up in, you know, or, or like, um, so I, th- I think that's what always kind of attracted me to Full Moon stuff, uh, at least their horror stuff, is that it does have some, like, of that classic um, kind of tint to it. It's cer- certainly, you know, sillier. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that that's arguable. But, yeah, I know, I think Band knows exactly... Um, what he's doing with this venture and the the deal that he signed with Paramount and I believe it was Pioneer at the time. Um, they were both launching du- as a dual company or as a deal. They were launching a straight-to-video market for the first time. So it's Paramount's first uh, straight-to-video distribution and he signed an exclusive distribution deal with them um, that got him in pretty much every video store in the u.s and that deal stuck for like 15 years of full moon movies literally being pumped out to video stores that is you know they they buy 14 copies of um oh gosh i'm trying to think of a movie that would be kind of the same ilk as this one um that was a big like popular film but you know you buy 14 copies of fried green tomatoes or whatever and in the in the box with it you're going to get two or three of these puppet movies or you know something to stick on your shelves and that's how these things got into these video stores and that's how they got you know into in front of the eyes of kids like us who were growing up in this era and 
I mean, I think that's what made Full Moon into the empire that it became. Funny enough that he had dissolved his further, you know, his picture, his last company, which was called Empire Pictures. But, um, yeah, well, I, I think it's it's interesting to to take note of that that this this movie has some significance from like the history of film in yep. that aspect that it's one of the first of like a major studio throwing these stringer films in their direct-to-video market because direct-to-video mm-hmm. was still kind of newer at the time yeah yeah video um, stores were yeah. i mean not brand new this is 1989 but certainly they were still kind of finding like ways to market straight to video stores you know right uh, video stores were becoming popular enough and had a longevity and then if you fast forward a few decades it's the same kind of things that people were wondering about with you know netflix and now we have streaming services right um so you know somebody's got to take that risk and it's interesting that they that paramount at least took it with full moon and with this mm-hmm. um, because this was especially riding in on a wave of horror films that were all about you know killer toys you had dolls you had child's play um well and, and, then, and you know, this yeah dolls especially because that was uh, an empire pictures production and charles band worked with Stuart gordon yeah on dolls so i couldn't find my source for this one so take it with a grain of salt but i do remember charles band talking about taking and i think it was in that um I think I sent you the article, but yeah. uh, there was a article about Charlie Band talking about Stuart Gordon and his relationship working with him, and uh, I think it was in that article. But yeah, he he said that Dolls was, and obviously once you see this movie, and if you've seen Dolls and you've seen Puppet Master, that Dolls was a major influence on creating this movie and these characters. And um, you know, if you've seen both those films, it's you really didn't need me to tell you that, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you yeah, can definitely so see the influence there, but you know, I, I, there was there was a couple others too that I'm I'm blanking on at the moment. But like movies about these like creepy toys coming to life. Well, and, I mean, and, and then after the Puppet Master success, you know, Full Moon didn't did not only create many Puppet Master movies, but they also you know did Demonic Toys, um, yeah, Dollman, which the is Doll really Man about movies, like you know. he's just a small person, but still. Um, they, they yeah, they kind of became the... the creepy doll company in a way. Like... Yeah. <laughs> so. But and, and again, you know, like we we've talked in the past about how you know some some franchises kind of form. In this case, this was uh, Puppet Master kind of was was a bit of a uh, a ripoff in a way. You know, it was cashing in on on a, a series uh, or a, a subgenre that was becoming popular for a brief period of time, and then it ended up becoming something that had like all these sequels mm-hmm. you know i guess child's place had a number of sequels but uh nothing yeah, like this Puppet one's got Master. a lot i think they yeah. have 12 and the 13th movie comes out this year sometime so the dr death movie which i oh, yeah. guess is a puppet character from later movies but yeah so that's a that's a long a long and healthy franchise because since 1989, you know, every couple years there's been a new one of these things, and uh, had a resurgence with the um, Blade movie uh, that. Oh gosh, what? Um, I know Thomas Lennon was in it. I forget who directed it. 
but um, some some bigger name people got involved with the franchise, and uh, yeah, the blade, the Iron Cross is the, mm-hmm. uh, or is or that not little, the right one? Littlest Reich? Littlest Reich, that's what it is. Yeah, Puppet Master, the Littlest Reich, which is essentially a reboot of the series, I guess. But and and I think the Blade movie is the sequel to that. But. Yeah, I've seen part of that one and it was funny, but I I ultimately still fell asleep. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the... so we we're talking. There's a lot of these things. <laughs> but again, like I kind of wonder now like what's going to be out on streaming that is going to because there's a lot of stuff that's direct to streaming, right? Not just like mm-hmm. Netflix originals, but there's a lot of movies now that don't get a theatrical release, they go straight to some streaming service. Well, yeah, and a good example I think of that is that uh Full Moon Entertainment or Full Moon Features as they're called now. Yeah. um is is doing the same thing they I mean straight to video does not exist anymore so their distribution platform is through their streaming service which you can get from you know their independent streaming service or it's through like amazon channels or whatever you can subscribe in different ways but um but they're creating original content for that as well so charles band to this day is still involved with you know putting out 10 to 12 movies a year i mean the man's a Next to Roger Corman, he's probably like the biggest workhorse in the. Uh, I, I was telling you about it, but I just watched an, an interview, um, interview documentary. I don't know if you call it a documentary, but a long form interview with uh, Charles Band and Roger Corman called uh, "The Kings of Cult," and uh, it was proposed by the interviewer that between the two of them, that they have uh, produced or been involved in the creation of over a thousand movies. So. That's uh I wouldn't be surprised. Pretty insane. <laughs> but I wouldn't be Roger Corman had trouble believing it, but when I started, you know, when you used to go and look at their filmographies and it's not really that hard to believe. So um Yeah, and some of that could just be like, yeah, I signed some papers that, you know, put me on as an executive producer because I invested a thousand dollars or a couple, you know, hundred thousand or whatever into it. Um yeah, that counts. It's all it, yeah. it, a lot of it's probably just paperwork and bank accounts. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it is that much, you know, if you're looking at something over a thousand, yeah, uh, that's pretty crazy though. But yeah, this, this is, if New Line Cinema is, is popularly known or colloquially known, I should say, as the house that Freddie built. Yeah. Because New Line Cinema really got their footing and their first round of success that established them as a major studio or a, a successful studio with the nightmare on elm street films uh full moon for even though it was a very you know niche genre uh full moon did that i think with puppet master oh yeah uh, the full moon's definitely puppets the house built. that yeah puppets absolutely built. Yeah. um and and again and that's it's, it's interesting that this one like it creeped me out as a kid just from seeing clips from it for you know again just being a kid and being creeped out by that kind of stuff but there, there is something interesting about just reflecting back on this kind of bygone era, which is fine. Things change uh, of video stores, right? Where you mm-hmm. you had to go, and it's not like streaming now, where if you have a subscription to Netflix or you download Tubi or Pluto, which are great services, we talk about them all the time. But there's no real investment other than your time, right? You can watch five minutes and go, ah, eh, this isn't doing it, and go to something else. At a video store, like you had to pay to rent this and yeah. risk a late fee, <laughs> all that shit. 
Um, well, and most likely, you know, once you you got the okay to rent a movie from mom or dad or however you're getting the money to do it, um, you weren't going to get to change your mind on it. So you were stuck watching this movie no matter how bad it was. Like, you had to get your money's worth out of this thing. Um, I do know our local video store would allow you to swap. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. yeah, as long as For you the most it part, in, like, once within... you picked that movie, once you've yeah. committed, you're in. You know, it's like... Yeah, if you brought it back within like twenty before twenty four hours or something like that, um, yeah, yeah, I you know bring it back two days later. Oh yeah, I didn't like that. Um, oh right, it would have to be yeah. like the night of. But I remember, and I, and I actually think I remember doing that more with video games than I do with. Uh, yeah, I could imagine. Uh, but yeah, you know th- that was a thing too. When you went to a video store, that that could take an hour. To right. walk around and look at everything, and I, don't, I still do the same thing when I sit and not down just with Netflix. as a kid. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I, I scroll say. through. <laughs> I remember being a young adult, you know, while there were still video stores around and doing the same thing, like going over to oh, where I don't even remember where I rented movie. Well, yeah, I kind of remember, like either Blockbuster or that little independent video store in, in Carbondale, the town we went to college in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd go in and I'd read movie boxes for an hour. And you know, decide on which stack of five I was going to rent. You know, so it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. But that that's kind of a lost thing. I mean, yes, you can still do that with you know Netflix or any other streaming service. You can scroll through for hours and decide. And that could be your evening. Like I didn't watch anything, but I just watched a lot of trailers and started yeah. a couple movies. Um, but again, there's no financial investment in doing that. Yeah. You don't have so, the commitment level. Yeah, there was yeah. a commitment there, and I think for... it's internet dating versus real dating. How about that? Like, oh, well put. Yeah, like... um, so in in this case, I think it's one of the things that's significant about Puppet Master is it is one of these early direct to video success stories. Yeah, because it, it spawned a franchise, and it's weird to give a movie about killer puppets that spawned a bunch of terrible sequels um, credit for anything. <laughs> Especially when it's already kind of riding a wave of popular sub franchise or sub subgenre. Yeah. Um, but there it is. You know, it is still pretty significant in that aspect that this was one of the first success stories of the video age, the video store age. Um, because enough people rented it and committed to it and liked it. Um, where it's it it justified making all of these other sequels, which you can tell weren't expensive to make, but right. you know it's still making a film. I mean, yeah. I mean, in general, the entirety of Full Moon's catalog is relatively low budget. Like Puppet Master was made for four hundred thousand dollars. That is a tiny budget for you know wow. the movie with the with the amount of visibility this movie ended up having, and you know, kind of the legacy that you know, was born. It was also, you know, I think they considered it to be an expensive movie at the time for them because they were using it as, as their, you know, launch pad for this entire venture that they were doing with Paramount and with the straight to video market, because Empire was certainly, um, still chasing down theatrical distribution deals. Like they were trying to, you know, play in movie theaters and doing things the old fashioned route. When he jumped in with full moon, I think he was really getting into the new, um, the new facet of the industry and trying something out that was a little different. And so, you know, full moon entertainment, uh, moonbeam entertainment. And, um, what was the, uh, prehistoric, the kids, um, moonbeam. Was it moonbeam? Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, all all launched simultaneously and uh, became straight to video only. You know, video store only distribution. So um, it was a different game, and I think it was a gamble for them. But I think they won big with the Puppet Master movie. So well, and what's surprising too is initially this film was going to get a theatrical release, and then at the last minute they kind of changed yeah. it and said, they "No, did, it's yeah. going to be video only." And one has to wonder. If it did get a theatrical release, would it have been as successful? Uh, I mean, it was clearly popular at the the video level, but I I do wonder if it really would have gotten the same exposure. Because you're right, this was one of those films that if you ordered, you know, ten copies of one movie, they would throw this in too, along with a bunch of other things. They're just trying to move product, and they're trying right. to get exposure for their investments. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know if it actually like was that it was absolutely free, but you would get discounts on like you know fill right. your shelves with this These other stuff that people packages. want to see. Like, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I, I I wonder if this did have a theatrical release, then it wouldn't have been one of those stringers. You know, it it would have been something that potentially you would have been ordering two or three copies of this, and it just yeah. how that would have changed potentially. Yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to guess, you know, in an alternate universe where this had a theatrical release, like, this is a, like, stylish, low-budget movie with tons of cult potential with the puppet characters and um, just kind of the general, like, tone of it. And uh, I feel like it would, it certainly would have played well to certain audiences, but would it have found that audience in the theater? Um probably a lot more difficult uh theatrical runs may have diminished its saleability yeah to video i think that's kind of what you're trying to just say so i guess i'm repeating but um yeah no i absolutely think that this was this was a a perfect situation that happened like right place right time they got the right deal for this it's probably why he pulled the theatrical run and said no we're going to go with this deal this whatever you know distribution deal paramount's offering me get this thing in video stores everywhere. And I think a whole new form of entertainment um, that is starting to be mostly forgotten now, but uh, the straight to video, um, you know, B movies that were kind of the equivalent of the 1970s drive-in B movies um, that our generation, you know, got to see all these wonderful, and I'm not going to say wonderful movies, got to see all these wonderful boxes on the shelves because they always had great, box art <laughs> yeah posters yeah. and stuff they were in, so. all intriguing enough they they yeah. had, uh somebody had you know done some kind of great painting to to sell this film um it was it's a very different it was a different niche market that it, it's i don't know playing throwing down my old man card for a moment it's kind of interesting to look back in your life and be like yeah, I was really into movies, and I lived during this era from the beginning to the end of the video store era. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of a, a neat thing. I will also want to add that this one is streaming. I don't know. You watch this because you have the fancy Blu-ray. Um, I do. <laughs> I watched this one on Vudu, which is free with commercials. But okay. it is okay. also, I, I want to throw this out just as a total suggestion. Not to say I don't think anybody should necessarily buy a copy of this, but... If you want to watch it for free, I recommend the Voodoo version because it is one of those Elvira's 13, you know, 13 oh, nights nice. of movies. Yeah. So I got to see Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, introduce this one and pop in occasionally in the middle of the movie with some bad joke 
<laughs> and yeah, it, she's great. So. It it only helped. It yeah. only helped the enjoyment of sitting through this, which it kind of needed, but <laughs> it it definitely contributed to a, a positive viewing experience. Just because I was like, God, I, I miss this kind of, you know, midnight movie thing. Yeah. It also, of course, is available on Full Moon Features streaming service. Uh, I believe, <laughs> funny that you mention it, but I believe it is available in its original version and the Elvira version they have on there as well. Um, so if you did want, if you do happen to have a subscription to that, which I believe is like a five ninety nine a month, fairly affordable, or a yearly subscription, and you get a bunch of free DVDs with it. In my case, it was the Puppet Master box set, which is why I have the fancy Blu-ray that Joe is mentioning. But... Um, and now yeah, you're going to go so through all a, of them, right? I Over time. <laughs> you're not going to binge this one? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to binge them, no. But it, uh, yeah, I would like to see them again because I know I've seen others and I want to figure out what it is that I've seen and what I haven't. So um, <laughs> they're just like snippets of like vague memories of like late, yeah. late night TV, you know, cable watching and catching bits and pieces of these movies. I, I, I really think I've seen the first four. Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure I've seen the first four. I remember this one more or less. I know I've seen the second one because I remember the ending. Yeah. I know I've seen the one with Six Shooter, which is the cowboy one, and that's that's part three, Toulon's Revenge, and it takes place during 1941, which doesn't make any sense because he killed himself in 39 in the first movie, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, and then I we mentioned think... that the the plot is kind of superfluous to them. Yeah. And I think part four is when bad puppets go good, or the other way around. Maybe it's part five, I don't know. But there's like these creepy little like demon creatures that the puppets are fighting. I don't yeah. know. It, it got I weird. think I've seen that one. Yeah. Because I know the one that I've seen, they weren't they weren't the bad guys. They were kind of like, you know, antiheroes or, you know, they they were we're in a situation like you know where they were played as the heroes of the movie. So. Even in this one, though, I mean, they are literally puppets. They're being resurrected for a purpose. Yeah, and once well, they and, realize and... they've been betrayed, they they alter. But they're they're not just like randomly. Well, they're only ran... they're randomly killing, but they're doing it like directed. Yeah, well, and not to you know not to accidentally go back to actually talking about this movie, but <laughs> um, we. Uh... They are kind of antiheroes, even in, well, not antiheroes. They do not have like an allegiance necessarily to it's whoever's controlling the, um, I don't know. Now here's where I get confused with the plot again. So I'm not exactly sure why or who they're allegiant to besides Toulon, if that's where they're, you know, going back to. But Gallagher and. Not the comedian, you know, Neil Gallagher from the movie. Um, would have made they, it better. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been interesting. <laughs> uh, um, they don't have any elite, don't seem to have any allegiance to him. In fact, they are uh, kind of butting heads throughout the time that the, you know, short amount of time that they are together. And eventually the dolls end up turning on him and killing him and kind of become, I wouldn't say good guys in any way, but they, they save the day the protagonists are able to escape from the situation due to the assistance of these puppets. So, um, yeah. So, so Gallagher certainly isn't controlling them as in like, do my bidding necessarily. He thinks he is, but he's not an ultimately in control of them. So, yeah, it, it felt more a little bit 
not not to make too detailed of a comparison, but it kind of was a little bit of a like a pumpkin head thing is what I picked up from it. Like Toulon found the Egyptian scroll to resurrect or give life to inanimate objects mm-hmm. or resurrect. And, you know, he uses it on these puppets and then he dies, but he makes sure they're all put away and safe. And then Gallagher finds it and he brings them back to life clearly as a plank because they're in his casket with him when he commits suicide with his plan to resurrect himself somehow. Yeah, because um, his ultimate goal is to resurrect himself so he can be an immortal. Is the... Yeah, and he has the puppets kind of defending him. Um, you know, he it's it's from his squabbly ex psychic friends network. Yeah, like, the, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and once once he kind of reveals what his ultimate plan was, and he throws one of the puppets. I think it's the jester one. He throws it and he's like, "Yeah, I'm tired of these little wooden bastards too." That's when they're like, oh, well, fuck you. And yeah. they decide to turn on him. So they're kind of yeah, intelligent. Yeah, so they, they've obviously, yeah, they obviously have kind of a, I don't know if literally a deal, but some sort of, you know, an understanding that they're all working towards the same thing. He's continuing Toulon's research. They are, um, you know, products of that research, essentially. And there's some sort of an understanding, but the second he, you know, turns on them, then... Yeah, they're, they're not, like, subservient to him, it doesn't seem, because they're able to be like, oh, well, hey, you, you're going to knock us around like that. We're, we got something to say. So, yeah, they uh, he gets the, the Ms. Leach treatment. So. Oh, yeah. Which I wanted well, to talk about. Yeah, and by the, by the way, <laughs> we never got back to, you asked me what my favorite puppet was, and I said Blade, but what was it, what's your favorite Oh, it's Blade. Movie. Okay, yeah. It's Blade. Yeah, like everybody else. Just he, just, sure. he's, he looks the coolest, I guess. Oh, yeah. Even though in, in part two, you find out he or part three, you find out he was a Nazi, and that's a little fucked up. Yeah, and then you feel bad for liking him, but, you know. When, yeah. But it, it's more like his body was turned into that. He's got a, a very different personality. Um, from what I've seen on, like, you know, Tinder. Um <laughs> it's it, i don't know what the fuck that came from um but yeah i mean i think some of the other designs are kind of cool like they, they they keep introducing new ones with every sequel there's like a new puppet mm-hmm. um which is kind of neat I, I i had a lot of questions in this one like why is he inventing or designing puppets with like hooks and blades and shit that seems <laughs> yeah. strange why did he create pinhead why did tunneler like all these look really they're all kind of strange because they're cool and they can kill people in crazy way like <laughs> pretty much because they're creepy well and how i mean if you want to go to a design aspect how does he design ms leech like how is that a thing like make a puppet that you know vomits leeches onto people and sucks all of their blood out you know extremely quickly well, in one of the sequels they explain that she is actually based on like his fiance or wife or something Oh, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, he put leeches in her. <laughs> Not that it real, helps the explanation, but there it is. There you go. Well, that's there's an explanation. That's as much of an explanation as we get for anything in this, but... Yeah. 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 It's cool. I, I, I really like the aspect of, you know, what it is we all paid admission for in this movie. Works really well. The puppets are great. As killer-like puppets, they all have their... I love that they all have their own gimmick. Um... They did a little bit of that in the Dolls movie, and, and, and okay, it, 
don't get me wrong, Dolls is a little bit different of a movie and probably ultimately a better movie. But I think what Puppet Master does better than Dolls is it creates characters with each one of these things. I mean, it, right on the back of that, you know, Blu-ray box that I read, it's talking about each one of these puppets. Like, and how, mm-hmm. you know, so they each have this, like, distinct character is probably too heavy of a word, but certainly a distinct design and, I mean, kill method for lack of a better term. But yeah, they're, they're each unique and they have their special abilities. <laughs> so put it that way but and the puppet um, special abilities are much more interesting than the characters so, special abilities in this first one yeah yeah acting's a little rough here and there too uh you can tell you know it's a low budget endeavor it's not so bad that it's unwatchable but there's there's some moments like what the hell the you know accent the um oh what was her name uh is it dana dana yeah yeah, the carnival the psychic. Was, yeah. yeah, she's got what like the a heck was her accent really be, but... bad southern accent. <laughs> and you know, I don't, I don't know if I missed something in the late '80s, early '90s, because I, I remember being in hotels for like family vacations stuff around that time. I don't remember just walking aimlessly around the hallways being a common thing people did. Yeah, but I, that I... happens a lot in this movie. It's people just like. <laughs> leave their hotel room and just wander around the hallways of this hotel. Yeah, they're constantly like bumping into each other in the hallway like, "Oh, hey, there you are just wandering. I was just wandering too. Let's talk about something plot related." But yeah, and it's it <laughs> the film almost passes like, you know, the, the whole like Betzel test and all that. Um <laughs> because it is actually I'll give this film credit is a, a rather strong one like the female characters there's a lot of female characters in this yeah um there's a lot of women characters i should say um so that's that's cool and no they're and there's not really a a very strong i mean there's certainly some sexuality in it but there's not really a a strong run of like exploitation-y um which you know certainly uh full moon entertainment is not you know ashamed to do (laughs) uh in places but yeah this one was um Kind of played it, I don't know, it's certainly it's certainly R-rated, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of, um, the female characters aren't there just to, you know, disrobe at some point. <laughs> like, Right, yeah, and it is a little messed up, you do see some, but, you know, like, there, there's a, a... I, I even had a note, like, wow, the first nudity in the film is a rape scene. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> you true. Know, that's a little odd. Um, but overall, I, I remember this movie being more graphic overall than it was, both in terms of violence and sex. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's really not that bad. It's pretty tame. And in fact, it's kind of, it's a little more lame than I remember it being. <laughs> There's not much of either. Like if you're here for the, you know, titillating nudity, it's, it's not really here. You know, the sexual aspect, it's, it's you know at best an afterthought like it's uh not that sort of a movie and if you're here for like gore and violence that's not really here either you better be here for puppets that's the only thing that's we a, got <laughs> that's a t-shirt you better be here for puppets <laughs> <laughs> there you go oh jeez. Uh, we yeah. make t-shirts so we'll have to remember that one yeah video junkyard podcast you yeah. you better you better be here for the puppets <laughs> um um 
yeah, we should probably wrap this up. A couple little tidbits. Uh, cameo by Barbara Crampton as yep. the girl. Uh, a girl at the carnival, I believe, was the character she played. Um, I thought that the having the Last Supper painting in the top of his coffin was a nice touch by Neil Gallagher. That was um, interesting. Yeah, I kept wondering. <laughs> My wife, Sarah, and I were both watching this. She's like, is that... <laughs> Is that like a window? <laughs> and then we got a better said, No, I'm it's a painting. Sure it it's the there. Last yeah. Supper. Um, okay. <laughs> Interesting choice. Yeah. It was it was very strange. There's um <laughs> there, there's a part in this one I thought that was kind of weird where the the two researchers and Dana, so like three of the psychics, are standing around Gallier's body and they're like, Well, is he really dead? And Dana pulls out this like eight inch <laughs> yeah. needle and she's like, let's find out. And she jabs it into his heart and back and he doesn't move. She's like, yeah, he's dead. And I just note, like, who carries that around? <laughs> Why well, do you, you know, happen maybe to have pin- a pinch him first? You know, like, yeah, give him a slap. I don't know. Slap him. Just, but <laughs> no, I, I just so happen to have this giant needle. And it's not like a sewing needle. It's got like this ornament thing on top of it. It's just it looks like what is it called? A, a hat pin? Like they would pin a hat on a mannequin or something with? Like but it's really long, long, and she's not wearing like, a hat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was kind of strange. Um, there are there yeah, are more than a... one scene in this one where you can see somebody's hand up the back of the puppet too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a couple of moments. Well, in, uh, in Pinhead, is an interesting puppet because he has human arms and hands, like human-sized arms and hands, which are obviously somebody's arms and hands, yeah. um, stuck into this little puppet body. Um, it's It works much better than it sounds like it should. You should see it. It It's it's funny, is what it is. Like, it, But it works. It's... Um, but yeah, there's a few moments when it's when it's weak. But in general, I think they they worked really well. The stop motion's not bad. Yeah. Um, like I've yeah, seen I, worse. I, they, I, I've seen Basket Case, so I've seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that that one takes the cake for the worst I've seen outside of you know something we attempted to do when we were kids. But, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one, the, the the stop motion holds up pretty well. Um. I don't know, there, there's some little annoying things that I had marked down, like the the, the puppets are, they they whine and pant a lot. Yeah, they do, They especially when they're doing like the POV shots, they're always like heavy breathing, but like weird, like it kind of sounds like a small dog. Like Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or like a Lamaze class or something. It's, yeah. it's really strange. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just thought that was... So the, really, what surprised me rewatching it, and I already kind of I said this already a little bit, but it really just—it's not nearly as scary as I remember it being. Yeah, it's not. It, I wouldn't say this is a very scary movie. Um, it's got some creepy like imagery. Like I think some of the puppets are kind of like you know, on the surface a little creepy, but it's also—I feel like—and we talked about this earlier, but I feel like it does. It also nails the atmosphere. Like, it's got kind of a cool horror movie, classic horror movie vibe to it. But is it actually frightening? No. It's it's more fun than it yeah. is frightening. But Yeah. So, what do you think if you had to uh, give this one a grade? Um, You know, I don't know. It's a lot of fun to watch. Ultimately, it's not a great movie. Like, this is not like an all-time 
it is an all-time classic though so i'm not going to say that but for me possibly not the reason of its plot or anything you know um i was surprised by that it was a bit of a slow starter i didn't remember it being that uh the first act being that hard to get through once it gets going it's great i mean it's got everything you want out of it you know puppets and you know murdering puppets and and everything but the plot is totally superfluous so the characters are all psychics doesn't matter it amounts to nothing um the acting's not as bad as i remember some of the full moon movies being but i then again my tolerance might be higher for that kind of thing these days um but come for the puppets stay for the puppets that's the main attraction and yeah um I feel like it probably should be a little bit better of a movie because it's got such a, like, a legendary status, but I don't know. It's a quick, fun movie. It gets the job done. It's fun to watch. The puppets are great, like the designs, and they're just really memorable, you know, characters all by all in themselves. Got lots of atmosphere. Pretty great camera work by Sergio Silvetti. Uh, pretty great score by Richard Band, whose score I made fun of uh, for the movie Arena, I think. I didn't care for some of his work there. Um, but here I think he kind of nails this kind of like, it almost has a, like a magical family movie <laughs> sound <laughs> to the score, but I like it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Lots of things that I like about this, lots of things to love. So, but some of its faults, I think the highest I could go on this is a B minus. I think I'm going to give it, uh, but that's a loving B minus. It, it pains me a little bit to give it that because I did have a lot of fun watching it and it was fun to revisit. Yeah, I'm not too far off of that. I mean, again, this this was a movie that I my first memories are one of fear, um, and then you know subtle obsession because it was something that creeped me out. I I had to seek it out, and finding it, I I wasn't scared of it anymore as a kid, and I've seen it a handful of times over the years. But this was the first time I ever really remember paying attention to the plot, and it didn't help it. Um, it just <laughs> yeah. made it a little more convoluted i think yeah the acting is is pretty bad there are some interesting shots and, and you can see the some of the influences here and there from Stuart gordon and fulci and argento in, in some of the shots uh character design like the puppet designs i agree they're really really good but my god there's a human cast here that makes a godzilla film look good um <laughs> So I'm going to go with a C on it. Like if you've never seen a Puppet Masters movie or Puppet Master movie, um, you could skip it and you don't need to start with this. Um, (laughs) If you're a purist, of course, but if, if not, don't worry about it. Uh, But is it worth revisiting? Sure. If if you, if you grew up the same time that we did and you, you kind of remember these, types of low budget direct to video films this one is this one will bring back some memories even if you've never seen it before because it's very it has a similar feel to so many films that came out or were released to video stores around this time so i definitely give it credit maybe i'm giving not giving it enough but i'm gonna go with the c uh it's it has some significance but ultimately it's not the greatest thing it was kind of hard to stay awake for (laughs) you know but (laughs) the first act hurts yeah yeah it it's pretty slow uh, when the puppets show up, it gets a little better. But actually, they're not in it that much, which is surprising. Yeah. yeah. But we that's would what love sequels are for, right? That's true, and we would love to know anybody's <laughs> thoughts on 
Puppet Master, or its sequels, if we may have said something that is explained later in one of the films. We'd love to hear it because, eh, I don't know, maybe this is enough for me to go back and try to revisit them all. But feel free to, you know, send us any of those questions, comments, criticisms, or witticisms to the Video Junker Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod or on Facebook on our main Video Junk Air podcast page or the Video Junk Air podcast group. And, of course, Instagram and Pinterest. Uh, just send us your thoughts. Send us what you're thinking. Any suggestions to uh, whatever you write, we would love to read. Yeah, coming up on the Video Junkyard podcast, we're going to be looking at another Full Moon Entertainment classic, and that is the sci-fi action film Trancers, and that is a uh, 1984. Um, yeah, actually, I just made the mistake again. It's uh, actually an Empire Pictures release, mm-hmm. and uh, the sequels were Full Moon Entertainment. But either way, yeah, from the from the mind of Charles Bannon, he actually directed this film, so we'll. Uh, yeah, take a look at that. Following uh, following week, we'll be looking at the George Lucas Ron Howard uh, collaboration Willow, which um, yes. those of us yeah that grew up when we did or will certainly be familiar with. Uh, followed by Scanners, uh, David Cronenberg classic, and uh, we'll actually be looking at the movie Boogie Nights as well in the near future. So. Uh, that's mm-hmm. everything we got on the schedule right now. If you have any ideas for the Video Junkyard Podcast, please, as always, send them to us at videojunkyardpodcast at gmail.com. We are always taking, uh, it's not just going to be a month anymore, but we are always taking um, viewer recommendations, and we will try to, uh, yeah, try to get to your movie. So send us any ideas that you have for the podcast. And we want to thank you once again for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Feel free to share it around and uh, send it to your loved ones, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But until next time, <laughs> this is Joe Peterson. I'm Eric Branson. I'm tired of experimenting with silly little wooden puppets. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but... Having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash video junkyard podcast, on Twitter at video junk pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening, and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. 
Enjoy your travels.